Dance classes are always fun because if you have the privilege of sitting back to watch, you can see so much more than people just learning the steps. Okay, bachata, are we ready? Yeah. Whew! You can see uncertainty, a little bit of courage, balance, and if you're lucky, you can actually watch anxiety melt away in real time. One more time, all together. Five, six, seven, go. One, two, three, and yes. And again. Today, in this dance class, led by a teacher named Stephanie for a group of community members in Chicago's Back of the Yards neighborhood on the South Side, I'm lucky. One, two, three, and yes. Give me song. That was so good, everybody. The trepidation, the tight muscles, the stressed out frowns are all out the door. And soon, hips are moving. We are going to do it with music. Yes! Why? Because everything's better with music. I'm Eve Ewing, and this is Guaranteed, the podcast where we talk about what happens when regular people around my hometown of Chicago receive direct cash assistance, guaranteed income. It's a show about the choices people make, the dreams they pursue, and the impossible things that become a little more possible when folks get a little bit of money, guaranteed. Our special guest today is Stephanie. She's participating in a guaranteed income program geared specifically to help parents not only through financial support, but also with affinity groups and mentorship. Stephanie talks about being a parent and managing money, but also about mental health, wellness, and trying to handle tough situations a little bit differently than the generation before her was able to. Here she is. Stephanie, thank you so much for agreeing to chat with us. And I wonder if you could just start by telling me a little bit about yourself. So I am married. I have a husband. been with him for 10 years. I have a, an eight-year-old daughter, Naya Bella. I have a one-year-old son, Nolan. And I'm also a dance instructor. So I do that for a living. Amazing. How did you get into dance? You know, it's always been inside of me. Like, it's just something that at this point, wherever I go, whether I'm at the grocery store, my body's going to dance. <laughs> and I have no shame whatsoever, whoever sees me. So um, I remember watching music videos and just dancing in my 20s, <laughs> like just hanging out with like my mom's high heels and like looking at myself in the mirror and just trying to replicate the same things that they're doing. What was a like a music video that at, at the time when you were growing up that you were like, this is my song? Probably TLC, No Scrubs. <laughs> That's still my song. Backstreet Boys, I just let it vibe. But when it comes to NSYNC because of those puppets, yeah. that, <laughs> yes, that's what I remember. What I just did now, because I didn't want to knock the mic out of the way, was a little bit of NSYNC puppets and a little bit of Michael Jackson thriller. It was a little bit of like, you know, this, but then also this. Um, this is a radio program, so people will not be able to see what I'm doing, but it's probably for the best. And so when was that moment when you went from like, OK, this is something I love to do versus I think I want to make this my career? It had to have been, I want to say, when I was at Fred Astaire Dance Studios. Mm -hmm. Really, there was something that knew that, oh, my gosh, I could actually get paid for this, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that I thought 
in my head, it was just a really, it was one of those dreams that are like, oh, you're going to be an actor. Like, you're not going to make that much money. You're going to be a starving artist. Like, that's what I always thought of. But Mm -hmm. then I realized there's different ways to do this, Mm -hmm. like in schools. So from there, I was, it's just a whole new world. And so now you teach dance in schools. About how many different schools do you work with? Right now, I'm limited to only teaching 12 classes a a week. I know I used to do 40 classes a week and it was so perfect. Mm -hmm. I was working at my daughter's school. I got to like take her to school, then got to go upstairs to my classroom, got to be there for about like four or five hours. Then I went to school full time. Like I'm like, this is the dream. I did not go to school to be a teacher, nor if you would have asked me years ago, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would have never said a teacher. Now, I know that seems like, but you're a dance teacher. Mm-mm. You are with those kids for one hour and you have the responsibility to time manage, to manage their behaviors, to understand who they are as individuals. Then on top of that, like you don't even touch the surface of dancing until that is established. The rules are established, the the expectations for them. And mind you, I'm not with them eight hours a day like the normal day-to-day routine teachers are. So I'm here popping in like, hey, I'm new. These are their expectations. And they're like, wait, I don't even trust you yet. Back up. Like, this is not what I signed up for. When they know I'm trying, like I'm terrified or I don't know what I'm doing, kids know that. And for an eighth grader to trust anyone in this world is very, very difficult. Do you choreograph something or is it more just about like bodily awareness and movement? I go with what I see, what the students are and who they are and what they want to do. But for the most part, I can choreograph on the spot. At this point, I'm like, just show me a TikTok dance. Mm -hmm. Let's just do it. (laughs) And they'll record me and we're stretching. So in every, I don't care who you are, like I get them up. You are getting up and you are stretching with me. Why? Because stretching is good for everybody. And this happened probably a couple weeks or maybe like a month um, because it's just impacted me. This child was probably around second grade and he would not talk at all in class. It was a really tough class to begin with, but something happened to where another kid was like, hey, this person said this to me and they just had gotten to an argument. And I said, okay, well, let me just talk to both of you. And I realized that this individual, this child was not going to talk because he wasn't already. And then this one was just going to tell me his side of the story. So I told this other kid, you know, just go over there and let me just have some time. I promise you, like, he'll apologize and whatever. We'll just... And I forgot what it was, what he did to him. But um, I was like, did you do this? And didn't say anything. And I said, I think I kept repeating myself. And then finally, I said, um, did somebody at home tell you not to talk? And then he just nodded. And my heart broke. I grabbed him and I hugged him and I cried. <laughs> and the whole class went silent. I just said, well, I love you. Like, what else can I say at that point, you know? And then I let him go and I said, but you have to say I'm sorry about what you did because you have to take ownership and responsibility. So he nodded 
then he went to the little boy and he said, I'm sorry. And, and I see him every time and there's more brokenness than joy, unfortunately. That's, that's my hope is that I'm spreading love, my love. I have kids of my own and I tell all of them, I'm like, you guys are all my kids. Even these eighth, eighth graders that are stinkers and they don't want to do what I need them to do. And they're like, what? And they always see me like I'm like 12 years old. And I'm like, guys, I'm 32. Let's figure this out, okay? Um, that's why I do what I do. Because these kids need so much love, just like we do. Sometimes we don't get that at home. What do you ultimately hope that your teaching makes possible for your students when they leave you? So, you know, compared to when they came in versus after they leave, what do you hope is, is possible for them? That they understand that in life, there's going to be so many things thrown at them. And they have the opportunity, the choice to take what they're given, whether it's dance, whether it's music, whether it's art, and they can use it to benefit themselves or they can throw some stuff away. Like I want them to understand like there's a choice that you don't just have to accept everything. My go-to is the easiest is bachata because it's simple steps. It's like side together, side tap, side together, side tap, boom, super simple. And if you at the end are like, I don't like bachata. It's not my thing. I'd rather do hip hop than cool. At least you've experienced another thing that you would have never thought of. And you're like, oh, wait, bachata, I know that name. I've done it before. And what's your what's your favorite song that you put on for that when you're first teaching it to the students? Prince Royce, Stand By Me. Like, I don't speak Spanish well. So the other ones, I just don't know if they're appropriate. <laughs> so we're going to stick with the ones that I know that are appropriate for CPS guidelines. <laughs> Very cool. And do the students, do they know the song? And do you feel like that makes them respond to it differently? They know the song once we're done. Like yeah. everybody and their mama knows the song when I come back. <laughs> if I'm teaching you, they're all like, and then they'll start singing it. Oh my gosh. I had one school. They were seventh graders. And I saw them two times a week. So they got to see me more and they were getting it. I was like, what? Like they were, they were legitly feeling themselves. And I'm like, I am feeling myself. We were sweating. <laughs> it was so great. That feels so amazing as a teacher. Yeah. Like it just feels, I'm sure it felt addictive in a mm -hmm. way. Like, oh my God, I just want to feel this way forever. And so just to switch gears a little bit, what made you first decide that you wanted to try to apply to one of the guaranteed income pilot programs? I'm the only one working in the household. Me and my husband chose that because daycare is expensive. And not only that, but there are just too many like hand rash and foot diseases and sicknesses and everything else, of course. And then there's COVID, right? So I, me and him just agreed that we would sacrifice with exactly what we did with my daughter. It's because we have not that much funds coming in, being that he doesn't work and then I do, and for our family. And my daughter is having issues with like school and friends and stuff. So I had to put her in art therapy and that's free. Um, talk to me a little bit about the art therapy for your daughter and, you know, sort of to the extent you feel comfortable, what was she experiencing before and how do you feel like it's been helping her? She was having like some chest pains, but prior to this, she was diagnosed with a disease called nephrotic syndrome, and it has to do with the kidneys. She had a hole in her kidney, and um, 
thank God they had given her some steroids. She had gained about 10 pounds of water weight retention in a week. It was painful because it was like joints. So she was then thankfully after about like four months, okay. And then her kidneys were able to not have holes in it anymore and everything was fine. So when she had these chest pains, we really didn't know what it was. We didn't know if it was linked to the disease or what. So of course we went to Lurie Children's Hospital immediately. They did an EKG. They did an x-ray on her. They Everything came back great, thank the Lord. However, we were trying to figure out now what? And I suffered from anxiety and depression right after her. Like I had postpartum depression. Nobody talked about it. Of course, they ask you questions, but if you go into the doctor, you're like, what? I want to kill myself? No, because then you're going to take my kid away. But really, these feelings are real. And I just didn't know how to be safe or feel safe about talking about it. So I went through it for about five long, hard years of just not knowing what I just knew there was just darkness. Like even though it was light outside, it was just still dark. And I felt like these were the similar traits that I can see in my daughter. And I needed answers. I was so sick of not having answers. And this nurse came in and and I'm a faith believer. So I'm like, okay, so what now, God? Like, what do you want me to do? And this nurse came in and I was like, nurse, are you a mom? Can you just help me out? Like from mom to mom at this point. And she had told me about her daughter having anxiety and how the best person to go to was their school counselor because the school counselor knew them on a day-to-day basis and knew their faces. So they trusted them. So I said, okay. So then I went to my daughter's school counselor. That kind of helped, but not really. And then a, it was God that was like art therapist. And I actually wanted to be an art therapy at one point because I love art. And I also wanted to help people and talking and knowing I went through depression and anxiety. I thought that was always so important to always talk about and never be hushed about. So I called them, but to tell you the truth, like I know that it has to deal with home issues. And I say this because I just want people to understand like it's okay to not be okay and to make mistakes as parents. And I can beat myself up and I do still. I do like have guilt and I'm like, why did I yell at her? Why did I do that? That must be so hard for you as a mom to see your daughter go through something that you yourself have experienced. But then at the same time, the fact that you have the power to do something about it is really meaningful. And she's so lucky to have you because like you said, so many people are just silent about these issues, you know, and don't, they don't talk about it. You feel like it's something wrong with you or something to be ashamed of. And she's so blessed to have you. That's really amazing. What are your hopes from the art therapy in terms of um, what you hope will come from it? My hope is that she will recognize her emotions and then be able to know a strategy of how, where to put those emotions. Because I know it's coming and I know like the triggers. So my hope is that she understands like where her trigger is coming from, whether it's school, whether it's like mom and dad are arguing, you know, or whatever it is. Um, Because unfortunately, Life is life, and she's going to have to endure so many more things, unfortunately, in the world that we're in today. But I believe that if she's able to recognize those emotions, like, I'm upset, or you know what? I don't know what I am. 
I'm confused. Then my hope is that she can journal or draw or dance. Again, we grew up with not a lot of money. And we were on the link. We were on Section 8. We were on um, how to go to the welfare line, like go on the bus for things. We didn't have things like I saw, like my cousins have. Like we just had hand-me-downs, you know. We went to, we joke like my, my mom. Um, she used to get like furniture from the alley and then just kind of like refurbish it with what she had. <laughs> Whatever paint we had left in the house. Um, and again, what was the funniest and most amazing thing about it all was anytime someone will come in my home, they're like, it feels so comfortable in here. Like it feels so livable. You know how sometimes moms can feel like, oh, don't touch that. Or, oh, don't go in this room because it's for like a specific holiday. We just had what we had and we got to climb all over it and jump all over it and really explore and be kids and not have to care if we break something because it was probably free anyways from the garbage (laughs) but I feel like this money is strictly like paying the bills I mean to the point where last month for example we had no money in our account like we had 46 cents like I had to show my daughter what we had because she kept asking for things and I'm like Naya we have food in the refrigerator we have a home you are bathed. You like we have everything we need here. I make sure that my bills are paid for, but sometimes if I know I need to split a bill with like, okay, I'm gonna give half right now and then half the next month. So what is it called? Payment arrangements. Mm-hmm. And I guess I couldn't extend it at a certain time. So I the latest was the like 30th. And I know that the the guaranteed income comes in like estimated at the end of the month, right? So I'm like, okay, Jesus, how many days to an estimate amount of the month? Okay, we got maybe three. Okay, we got 31 days, maybe 29. And I'm over here. I legitly called the phone number to the guaranteed income. I was like, okay, what day did I get paid last month? Was it the 29th? Ooh, but one day I did get paid the 28th day, you know? Well, maybe it's going to be the 28th day. And thankfully, T-Mobile took out the money on a day where like I didn't get paid for my like job, but I got the income. And I was like, Jesus. <laughs> and I went to the, I had to go take it out. I went to the bank and I was like, am I overdrawn? And they're like, no, you're you're fine. It was like the same day. And I'm like, Jesus, I know you're good, Jesus. I know you are. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. That is amazing. I mean, one thing that I really admire about everything you're sharing, it seems like you are committed to getting everything that you can for your family, using every resource, you know, and it seems like that's maybe also something you learned from your mom. Are there some of these resources that are hard to access? Some of them are easier. It is really hard to find a mental health individual. So I'm involved in my daughter's school in the PACs and I'm the president of it. Because, you know, I got a voice and I'm always asking questions. And um, when I go to these meetings, they need someone to present to them once a month. And I told them about my daughter having these anxiety attacks. And another mom was kind of like, come over here, you know, and wanted to talk to me to the side. They're like, actually, I'm having this issue with my kids and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, "Okay, well, now what? Where do I go? If you were not receiving the guaranteed income, do you think it would have been possible to do the art therapy just when you think about, you know, your husband working and you working? Or do you feel like that would have been doable at this moment? Probably not, to be honest. Yeah. I had my child at 23, so not too young. 
But I still felt like we were not prepared. Me and my husband, like we weren't even married at the time when we had her. But the truth of the matter is, is I was just not in my right mind. And because of that, it was so hard to like stick to like one job because I didn't even understand my whole life, my identity, who I was, where was I was supposed to go or anything. I was blinded and sad and depressed. I don't know how to rest. And I know that comes with having to grow up really fast. My father beat my mom mentally and then also abused her physically uh, physically and mentally. And then my mom becoming an alcoholic with that. I had to take care of her once like my sister got married and then my brother got married. And I was the only one. I was a baby. And I remember going to the bars and having to get my parents so they can get a ride home and watching my mom like fall down the stairs and trying to like pick this like 200 pound woman up and I'm 110 soaking wet. Like I had to do that. That was mom. And mom was always good to me. Mom was never bad. She never abused. Dad was always good to me. They just didn't know how to deal with their world and the depression that they had and the all the hurts and pains. So I was so messed up. And I did not want any kid to be in this world because of what I had to go through. Fortunately for us, my daughter came and she's a complete blessing. But I've always talked to her like, I am sorry. I should not have done that. Whereas when I was growing up, I didn't get that. I didn't get it. I'm sorry. I didn't get that was my fault. I tell my daughter, mommy and daddy are going to make mistakes. Adults in your life will make mistakes. We are not perfect. You may ask me something. And I will probably not know the answer, but I will promise you we're going to probably figure it out together. I think in my head growing up, I thought mom knew everything. Dad knew everything. So when they were going to bars, when my dad was hitting my mom, I was like, oh, well, they know everything. Well, that's how life is then. I'm going to marry someone and they're going to beat me and that's going to be okay. But then I'm like in my other head, like, oh, no, you got to be independent. Nobody can touch you. Okay, so what's going to happen? So now I'm going to beat him if he tells me something. But again... That's not doing nothing for the family. That's not even helping me. It's like, well, now what? Now what do I do? And I think that's the question so many people are longing for is, who can help me? How do you think things would be different if more people had this resource? I think people would be more comfortable to give themselves time to find these resources because Without that 500, all they're thinking is, I need more money. But 500 is a really good amount of money each month. And I believe that if they were given that, it would be less time on having to worry about money and more time on themselves, growing and learning, maybe even start a new hobby that will help them with their mental health, or maybe then getting them out to have lunch with their mom that they're never able to have because they're like doing 12 jobs all at once. So I think it would definitely help them. You know, one of the things that when people propose guaranteed income, there are people who are like, well, folks are just going to quit their job and they're just going to sit at home and play PlayStation. You're shaking your head right now. What what would you say to that? No, like we are so much in debt. Like we're <laughs> we just need to pay our five thousand dollar credit card that we took out because we were trying to get new furniture like, you know, or pay our phone bill. T-Mobile wants to charge us like $300 for like three phones. What? Well, that doesn't even make sense. Um, so no. 
Are there any questions that I have not asked you or things we haven't talked about that you feel are really important for us to know or for people listening to this to know? Mental health was the main thing. And the anxiety is a real living thing that people are dealing with. And if they take away anything, it's just to take ownership of that. Like, recognize that you have it and don't be ashamed. Because it's not shameful. It's something that we are all going through. And it's okay to talk about it. And honestly, sometimes people just can't. Because if you would have said the word anxiety a couple years ago with me, I would have had an anxiety attack. That's how much it had power over me. Again, like I said, the triggers is so powerful. Like what triggered me? Mainly money, to be honest. The finances were huge because I always wanted to make sure we always had money in the bank account and the food and necessities. But also, I didn't have much growing up. So I also wanted to give my daughter so much. You know that feeling when you go to open the bank account and you know it's empty or when you open the phone rings and you know it's the collector, the bill collector versus the way you feel like, okay, I can actually pay my bill this month. I can actually, can you kind of describe those two feelings? Like, what does it feel like to know my bank account is empty versus, okay, I got a little something? Um, Dreadful. You're like, maybe I should block it. But if I block it, that means I'm in denial. So do I block them? Nope. I just sit here and I contemplate why I spent that money on that Best Buy when I could have just not get the thing. So guilt and dreadfulness. So what about the other feeling? What about the feeling of, okay, I know that I'm good for this month. How does that feel for you physically, emotionally? Wonderful. Like there's light every single day. There's no question. Like everything's going to be okay. Because even today, like my heart was like physically hurting, like in pain. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, it's okay. Just stop thinking, Stephanie. Everything's going to be okay. Because I am thinking like that $500 goes fast, girl. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? How much? $12 now and 88 cents? I, and I always look at it. I had the app and I'm like, ooh, I need like another $300 in that account. So, yeah. You know, I know that we've talked about this a lot, but I'm just going to just to reiterate, if we had to sum up in one or two sentences, what does guaranteed income make possible for you and your family? Hope. Hope that I will pay off my debt sooner. Time, time to spend on laughing instead of being dreaded for another phone call um, if I don't pay. Um, Allowing love to come in, allowing the goodness of life to come in. Because when you worry and you spend so much time worrying about money, where is it going to come? What job should I get? It's less time for the good things in life. After talking to Stephanie, it was obvious that we needed to see her in action. Plus, if there's one thing our team likes just as much as making podcasts, it's planning community events. So we set up a free class led by Stephanie for folks affiliated with The Breathing Room, an arts, healing, and organizing hub on the South Side. It was a lot of fun. 
not least because I got to see producer Daniel doing a quad stretch tree pose yoga situation while also holding a mic. But also, I worked up a little bit of a sweat myself. You can put your arm out for balance. And if you want an extra challenge, try to go down as far as you can go. Don't fall. Is that, is that good? Yeah, I can teach more, but... After class, our other intrepid producer, Damon, talked to some of the newly minted dancers to see how they were feeling. How was it for you? It was awesome. Well, physically, uh, it was like uh, like a nice, you know, like relaxing while you exercising. So it was good, and mentally, it's kind of like a... Uh, just kind of like help you forget about other stuff because you're focusing to like you know your body so that makes me feel good i'm like super aware of my hips right now (laughs) uh which kind of makes me feel grounded and like my torso is connected with the earth we also asked stephanie how the experience was for her yeah this was great and i think one of them they said that they didn't know, they didn't recognize, like now they're aware of their hips. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool because when we become more aware of everything or anything on our body and just who we are and what we talk about and what comes out of our mouth and how that all plays a role, I think that's just the most important thing that comes, you know, not only my regular health, but also my mental health. So mental health is just completely my thing. <laughs> There are things about Stephanie's life that have not been easy. What struck me in talking to her was the way dance has been a pathway to changing her relationship to her mental health. And the cash assistance she's received has been a way for her to amplify that. She's focused on her own wellness, but she's also trying to model something different for her daughter about the ways we manage trauma and the bumpy roads life sometimes brings our way. She's looking back at how she grew up facing some tough realities, and looking forward at how to establish a better pathway toward wellness for her kiddos and her community. All while reminding people that yes, we have hips, and moving those hips can make you feel pretty good. Guaranteed is created by Respair Production and Media, and me, your host, Eve Ewing, with the support of the Economic Security Project, and super duper thanks to Jenna Severson for her assistance. Our producers are Damon Williams, Daniel Kisslinger, and Jeanette Harris-Kortz. And our theme music is the song Woof by San Morimoto. See you next time. You know who you look like? Tia and Tamara. Yes! Oh my gosh, I get that so much! But it's the first time I've heard it from you, so it's very special to me.